I'd like for you to follow along and read with me. This is hopefully a a fairly familiar passage to most of you, but uh, I would really like to apply it today. But look with me at verse 41. I want to read verse 41 of Acts chapter 2 to the end of the passage, uh, to the end of the chapter in verse 47. It says this in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Woo! If you are somebody who loves the church, that's got to be an exciting passage of Scripture for you. It is for me. That is a radical... I don't know if you realize how radical this is in the history of the church of Jesus Christ. This is a radical time. This is a revolutionary thing. You see, there had been 120 people that had gathered in this upper room there in Jerusalem. They had been praying for the last 10 days. The last 10 days they'd been praying. I can only imagine what was in their heart. They, they must have had some, some great anticipation, expectation of what God's going to do, and then maybe a little bit of doubt along with that because we don't know what's happening. We've never done this before. There must have been, there must have been joy and, a, and excitement, but also a little reservation. What's going to happen? What, what's going to happen 120 gathered together and they sought the Lord. They did just what Jesus had, done, had told them to do when he ascended to the right hand of the Father some 40 days after he raised from the dead. And he ascended to the Father and he told them, you just stay in Jerusalem and, and you keep praying, you keep waiting because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to come upon you. And when he does, you're going to receive power and you're going to become my witnesses. First here in Jerusalem and Judea and, and then even to the outermost parts of the earth. You're going to be my witnesses. And they're going, well, okay, that sounds good, but what does that mean? And so these last 10 days, they've been praying. They've been in that upper room. They've been fervently praying together, seeking God. And then the morning of Pentecost takes place. Pentecost was, a, was a, a, an annual event. It was a celebration in which they would uh, come and they would bring in the first fruits of the first harvest. It was, it was the celebration of the first harvest. It was also suggested that Pentecost was a time in which they remembered uh, Moses coming down from Mount Sinai with the, the law in his hand. It was, a, it was an annual celebration. And so Jews from all over would come into Jerusalem for this great celebration. And, and it had been 10 days since he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And here's these 120 people and they're praying and they're seeking the Lord. Pentecost, the morning of Pentecost comes. All the Jews are in Jerusalem. And all of the sudden, the sights and the sounds and the effects of the Holy Spirit coming upon them is revealed in the first part of chapter 2. First, the sound, it came, the Holy Spirit, He came as mighty rushing wind. 
It was a mighty... Now, now wind in the Old Testament was representative of symbolic of the presence of God. This is the, the presence of God. And this was not just a still small voice. This was a loud, majestic rushing of wind. And then, and then because there's no other human words to describe it, the apostle, or, or Luke rather, describes it as, as the Holy Spirit coming on them as tongues of fire. And landing upon each of these 120 that had been praying these last 10 days. Pretty incredible sound. Pretty incredible sight. But the effect of the Holy Spirit's coming is what is most magnificent. They started speaking in tongues. But, but beloved church, listen to me. The tongues that they spoke were known languages. In fact, it's been suggested they spoke their own language in in the Hebrew language, but those who were coming from other territories heard them in their own language. Some have suggested that was up to 15 different languages and dialects. Fifteen. They spoke, the, the apostles, I believe, were speaking in what they knew. They, they just spoke in their language, but the others heard them in their own language. An incredible, incredible thing. And so there's some doubters in the crowd, as there typically is in any crowd, who started to say, these people are drunk. These people are drunk. That's what they said in, in the Scripture. And Peter stands up, and he gives what is the first evangelical sermon ever preached. The first sermon since Jesus died for sin, rose again on the third day, and has ascended. And Peter basically exalts Jesus. He says, brothers and sisters, listen, this this thing that's happening right now, it's not because we're drunk. It's early in the morning, for crying out loud. What's going on here is it's the last days. The terrible, the terrific last days of the Lord are upon us. The last days included... People hearing, I mean, people hearing about the good news in different tongues, in different languages. And so this was the beginning. The consummation of the last days is revealed toward us when we all stand before our judge. When we all stand before the Lord. And the, the, the terrible and great day of the Lord, he says, is happening. And then he goes off and he says, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Peter preaches Jesus. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He was magnificent in his life here on earth. He died not by accident. He died according to God's perfect plan. And he died on that cross and rose again on the third day because he is the one then who is the giver of eternal life. He's the one who can take away sin, who died in our place, who can take away away sin and he rose again and right now he's at the right hand of the father that's that's my nutshell of a message that peter gives but peter gives this message all about jesus can i just say to you if church is not all about jesus it's a waste of time it's like every other social club you could go to you might as well just go to Kiwanis. Not that Kiwanis is bad. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is what makes church different than any other thing is we seek to exalt Jesus Christ. Peter preaches Jesus. And what happens is these people, the Scripture says, they're cut to the heart. That's what the term is. They're cut to the heart. Because of the Holy Spirit working, these people are convicted. And they're saying, what should we do? What should we do? What should we do? And Peter says, receive the word. Receive the good news, the gospel. Receive the truth about Jesus Christ. 
Repent of your sin and be baptized. That's what you should do. What should we do? Receive, repent, be baptized. That's what Peter says. And when we, saw, when we read it in verse 41, there were 3,000 people in one day who received the truth of Jesus Christ, who repented of their sin, turned away from their sin, were baptized in one day, and 3,000 came into existence as true followers of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? You see how radical this is? You see that this time in history of the church is like no other time. It's revolutionary. It's brand new. And I imagine the disciples were going, um, wait a minute. Now what do we do? <laughs> There's 3,000 people here. What do we do? What do we do? But verse 42 defines for us what they did. It says they devoted themselves to four things. Here's what I want us to see this morning. I want us to recognize that the first church devoted themselves to this new Christian community. This was a new Christian community like nothing ever happened has happened before that time. This was new. This was a new thing. And what did these people do? These 3,000 now, 3,120 people devoted themselves to this new Christian community. It was a community. It was a, it was a fellowship. It was a, it was a church. It was the birth of the church. This is the very first church. You know, I don't know if you've gone around and you've seen in other towns and maybe even this town signs that say First Baptist Church. Maybe it's the First Baptist Church of that town, but it's not the First Baptist Church ever. This is the first church. I'm not sure they were Baptists at this point, but this is the first church. They baptized, yes, absolutely. And so here's what happened. They devoted themselves to this Christian community in four different ways. First of all, they they, they devoted themselves to the corporate teaching of God's Word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Let me back up because I missed that definition. It's a good thing I have slides here because it helps me stay on track. I'm trying to hurry because I know we're uh, out of time, but you don't mind if I go till 1 o'clock, do you? Thank you. Sweet, sweet. So, so they, they, they devoted themselves. That word, that word is a strong and steadfast commitment towards. In fact, let me just give you some definitions from commentaries. The Expositor's Bible Commentary says it is a steadfast and single-minded fidelity to a certain course of action. The Moody Commentary says it's exerting great effort to persist in doing something. It indicates action that is continuous and habitual. Now, I hesitate using the word commitment because I, I got to be truthful. I find that the word commitment doesn't mean much in our culture anymore. Commitment means I'm committed unt- until there's something better that comes up, right? Oh, yeah, I'll be there unless something better comes up. I'm committed to that task unless I get an opportunity to do this over here. So commitment for us is like the story that my dad used to jokingly tell me as a young boy. He used to say, you know, there was this young guy who who called up his, his girl and he said, I would climb the highest mountain for you. And beyond that, I would swim the deepest ocean for you. And beyond that, I would walk across the widest desert for you. 
Oh, and by the way, I'll be over tonight as long as it doesn't rain. My dad would tell me that. He got a kick out of that. He laughed more than me, but I thought I'd tell you that because that's the idea of some, some people's idea of commitment. See, this, this is strong and steadfast. This is something I'm going to do. It doesn't matter what comes up. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter whether I'm, I'm, I'm sick or whatever. I am committed. I am going to be there. I am devoted. These people had such a commitment, such a strong, steadfast devotion to these four things. And the first is this, to the corporate teaching of God's Word, the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching. What's interesting here, and what we need to understand, is that these 3,000 people who are new believers, new followers of Jesus Christ, all they had known at this point was the Old Testament law. They had followed the Old Testament law. They, they were accustomed to the mind. Their mindset was, if I sin, I need to go get a, 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 a lamb, and I need to sacrifice that lamb in order for me to be forgiven of that sin. But here's a new thing, a new thing that comes because of Christ Jesus' death on the cross. Now I no longer have to sacrifice a lamb because Jesus is the one lamb, the one and only sacrifice that I need. He died on the cross as the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And their mindset needed to be tweaked. Remember last week, we talked about the Great Commission teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And we said that teaching, that it's the understanding of of renewing one's mind, changing one's thought process. The same is here. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles had met with the resurrected Jesus for 40 days. We only know little snippets of what took place in those 40 days, but I can assure you during those 40 days, Jesus was preparing his guys to go out and make disciples. He was giving them further instructions. He was helping them to see the things that took place while he was here on earth and what they all meant. And now these guys are going, aha, 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 the light bulb comes on. And now they have this incredible opportunity to take 3,000 new believers through Jesus' teaching. These 3,000 new believers must have gone, this is incredible. I don't have to go kill a lamb. I don't have to go do all these things. I can be saved once and for all by the blood of Jesus Christ, who's not only died for me, but now lives for me. What an incredible opportunity for them to hear. That's a teaching that they were devoted to. They were teaching, the apostles were teaching these people, and they were steadfast they were serious about this they would show up you know there's a there's a statement that goes something like if you don't know what you believe you'll fall for anything see the word